0: Hello and welcome to the Motown Megcast. I am one of your three hosts, Alex Faber
1: with me. I have Paul and Ryan. How we doing, boys? Uh, doing fantastic. Um, you know, just kind of thinking about baseball a little bit.
0: It was a very busy week, wasn't it, for all sorts of sports news. Yeah. It's, it's the kind of week that... Uh, a really famous uh, american-born athlete is trapped in a country that is at war with the rest of the west and that's like the fourth or fifth biggest storyline in news right now <laughs> like that's yeah. Brittany Griner's kind of harrowing adventure over in russia is just buried by everything but
1: yeah no kidding that's that's a scary situation <laughs> kind
0: of yeah. terrifying but let's ignore the serious stuff let's hop right into baseball talk and you know who's bringing it to us it's it's paul
2: well, we are going to have a full 162-game season, in the MLB, the Players Union, and the owners finally made a tentative agreement, but guess what? Do you think they're going to cancel the season midway through the season? Nope. Nope, 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 nope. That's not going to happen. It happened once before. The rest of the season got canceled. They're not going to be doing that. They will make an agreement regardless, and guess what? It's going to be pretty fair to both sides when it comes out. But here's what we have so far. The playoffs are expanded to 12 teams because, why? I don't know. I don't like playoff expansions. Never big fan of playoff expansions. The 7th seed has yet to win in the NFL. Uh, last year, the 7th through 10s were horrible in the NBA, and they're going to be again. And, I mean, in baseball, you have had a 5-seed win the World Series. So, there is some argument for it however make it make it seven game series then go out and make it seven game series I know it's gonna take forever I know no one actually wants to see it but if you want to actually filter through the see who's the champion you got to make these seven game series you can't have these play-in games in that sense but I'm not a big fan of that uh, seasons gonna start a little later that's fine uh, they're still talking about an international draft uh, for July and stuff and we're gonna have, no, the international draft wouldn't be for a few years
1: if they do it. Oh, well. But but that's one of the issues they're still kind of split on yeah. right
2: now. Something in July with that. Uh, maybe a deadline or something. And then we have the lottery. So what's going to happen with the lottery, you make the playoffs, you're not going to be in the lottery like we see with the NBA. Uh, and then if you're outside of the playoffs, congratulations, you get to be in the lottery. But it's only going to determine one of the few, like, I think it was, what, top six picks? Top six, I believe, yeah. yeah. And then after that, it's going to be based off of standings. Um, I don't know what the odds are going to be for the lottery. I really haven't looked into that. I, I
1: know it's it's significantly lower than the NBA. Like, I want to say, like, the top team gets, like, maybe
2: 14% at, at the number mm-hmm. one pick. Yeah, so they're, they're pretty much having a lottery lottery, but... If you're the Pirates, you have a good shot at getting the number one overall pick, but don't bank on it. Um, you could easily not be in the top six. I don't know if there's safety nets or anything. I don't imagine there would be with the top 20. So that's very nice. We get to eliminate taking. And the, one of the biggest changes we're going to see is they, they eliminated the shift. Uh, a lot of people watching baseball don't like the shift. You see like the third baseman go over to the right side of the field. Right fielders playing like an extra first baseman, almost like an infielder. It's uh, been in the game for years. It really advantages the defense. Uh, very few hitters have been able to take advantage of it. Players like Victor Martinez, however, when he finished second in the MVP voting, did a very good job against the shift. That's pr- probably because he was a switch hitter. Uh, I, I do think it eliminates some aspect of these players being able to move freely around the field. But at the same time, it makes sure that third basemans play third base. It makes sure that right fielders play right field. The game wasn't designed to have nine defenders in nine different areas. It was meant to have nine defenders in a similar area. So I I get it I get it both ways, where you stand on it. I do think it will increase viewing ship. I do think it will increase scoring, and that's what MLB is really struggling with. Uh, but it also will, at the same time, make the games probably longer if you're going to get more people on base. Uh, they're trying to make a very limited pitching count. Uh, not a pitching count, a pitching clock. I think it was like 14 seconds or something. So they, they really want to speed up this pitches, like, get your pitch done and call limited timeouts. But that's what we got from the MLB.
0: Yeah, it's certainly like a – a waterfall of change, I guess. Um, maybe not some of the things that the players' union wanted. Maybe not. It's it's not nearly, I don't think, as progressive as the other sports yet. I don't think like, I don't I don't think it was. I don't know. I, I guess not to side with the union, but I think they definitely probably should have got more out of it. But I some of the concessions they gave up, I think were fair. Um, I'm I'm with you. I don't like the playoff expansion. I think that's silly in a sport like baseball. Um, I I really don't like that, especially because baseball felt like one of the few sports remaining that the playoffs really meant something just to get there. Like you don't measure success in the NBA or the NHL by making the playoffs. That's just not something that happens. You can kind of measure success or at least progress by making the playoffs in baseball and kind of winning a few games there. So I don't really like to see it, but if that's the concession needed to get mm-hmm. baseball to us, I'm fine with that. Um, I don't really have an opinion on the international draft. Honestly, I, I just know that the lions are one of the more active people on the market without like using a draft so i don't so huh the tigers yeah not the lions (laughs) but uh yeah yeah tigers tigers are pretty active in the market above and i don't really have an opinion on that
1: yeah so um so i looked it up the uh the international draft you were right paul they have until july 25th to make a Mm -hmm. decision if they don't come to an agreement about the international draft then uh i said the qualifying offers will stay but if if they do then they'll get rid of qualifying offers i believe so yeah so what did you think about the shift ryan because i know i'm
0: like like i'm 50 50 i think objectively baseball will be more entertaining without it um and like but but i'm definitely a traditionalist where i like watching the evolution of sports so i think like if i had the choice i would say no i get why they did it like you said paul it'll it'll increase hits it'll increase viewership probably people will tune in to see these guys hitting big numbers but as a traditionalist i like it when a sport kind of evolves but what was your opinion on it ryan
1: Um, yeah, I was also kind of of the mindset that I don't, I don't necessarily think, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think banning the shift is really, I think it goes a little bit against kind of just the integrity of, I don't want to say integrity, but just like the fabrics of, of what baseball, like, you know, you have your traditional positions, obviously, but ultimately the, uh, (laughs) the goal out there is to, to position yourself in a way that like at advantages you and, most, and that's I like guess. a very like american
0: sport thing too is like american sports have always been driven by success like we were yeah. always like it's not like a you know like a lot and like brazil where they it's all about the passion for the game or it's all about kind of like the style we're yeah. very much like a winning formula and that's kind of right. shift just was just another uh, another brick in that house i guess mm-hmm.
1: no i completely agree with that yeah.
2: i i will say that they will have some freedom to move around yeah they're they're just gonna have to stay third base you can't go over by first base you have to play left of the shortstop this is this is ridiculous (laughs) okay i like that type of thing i like because the third baseman should not be on the other side of second that's insane that's the nine defenders are supposed to be in specific spots
0: I don't know. I think at, I, I'm not going to argue that point too much just because I feel like at that point we'd be getting to semantics and it's just not very fun to listen to. But I would just say that like it, then you're giving up that position on the left and it's the, the pitcher's job to take advantage of that. It's like pressing in soccer. Like you're, you're going to take advantage of a pressing team. If a team's running more coverage in, in football, you're going to take advantage of that. It's going to be tough to get it. Like there's a reason they're targeting that aspect of your game. There's a reason they're moving that hitter over there. But you kind of just, as a hitter, have to go against it, I guess. So it, it just again, like I was saying, and that comes down to like a philosophy difference, I guess, is what Ryan and I were talking about. Where it kind of feels like, I don't know, it's it's kind of fun in sports to watch, watch teams evolve with the game, the like three point shot, any anything like that. Uh, so anything else with baseball? I guess we're just really hyped to have it back because I mean, if you listened to last episode, we were we were pretty angry at the owners. We we're pretty fired up.
1: Yeah, but. Uh, um you know, today seeing all of these videos from, from Lakeland of these, uh, all yeah. these guys reporting, uh, you know, it was cool to be able to like see Javi Baez. I mean, regardless of, you know, obviously he's a bit of a polarizing, uh, polarizing signing, but it's cool a big free agent. Right. It's yeah. cool to see And it's cool to see him in action for, you know, kind of the first time in in, in the Tigers threads. I don't that they weren't wearing like uniforms, but, um,
0: just kind of a part of the family now
1: yeah so so that was cool to see and then also I, we've had some some fantastic quotes especially from miggy about about some of the rookies like he was um he was asked about uh you know if he whether how much he thinks he's going to be playing like first base and he goes or and he said you know I'd, i'm not really sure but um maybe not a whole lot because i know that we want to you know create some opportunities for spencer torkelson there we want to put him in the lineup at some point um so that was really cool to hear i have a
0: quote from miggy right here from cody stavenhagen uh he said so miguel cabrera took a different tone on one question this year how much does he want to play first base and his response was i don't know because
1: we want torkelson in the lineup yeah, that's yep. a great quote that's mm-hmm. a great quote yeah no so um it's been cool to hear some of that um aj hinch mentioned or uh mentioned the young guys too he was saying or kind of just talking about how um you know these guys are going to get opportunities like pretty early and it's it's not at all like you know out of or not within reason that they might be on the opening roster because now with with some of this uh some of the stipulations in this new deal that they made um you know they're uh they're rewarding teams who who promote their rookies like from opening day and 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 if they, like, get any accolades or, like, votes for any of, of like, the big um, awards, like, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, MVP, whatever it may be, um, then they'll get, like, draft comp- compensation. So so more and more we're we're seeing teams, like, with more of an incentive to play their young guys beyond, you know, just simply getting them out there and uh, getting them experience. So.
0: I just thought of another thing, too. Did you guys see the report of what um, what uh, Illich offered? um correa like he fit affi- like there was the kind of that he yes, offered he, him like 275 like, or something uh, over 10 years or something yeah, yeah yep which pisses me off so bad like it just it's so stupid he's you're really gonna you're gonna make that much of a difference over it that and that, that type of offer is
1: kind of like just to show that he made an offer yeah like yeah like everybody knew what correa wanted like yeah, that wasn't true. even that was like out in the open you know and yeah and and that I think that was kind of his attempt to be like, well, we tried, you know, we weren't covered by, we ass. weren't trying to like pinch pennies or whatever. But, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of frustrating when, when you do have a chance and a, a free agent like that, that would have made sense, obviously given us ties to like AJ Hinch and whatnot, yeah. but
0: when they had, when they had dinner together. That that yeah or brunch or Twitter that day something like that yeah oh my god I was so excited I thought the announcing was announcement was gonna come within the week I think that's part of the reason it made me so mad yeah he didn't sign us because I really did think it was coming like I thought for sure we were gonna get him what if we still did what if we end up just went back and snagged him (laughs) hilarious I I wouldn't hold my breath (laughs) (laughs) I just I just want someone else there I just it's just sad maybe offer a more term for less less time i don't know i just i want I, I, but i think
1: the thing is like a guy like that he's gonna want to try to sign like yeah. a, a, a decade-long a decade. deal if he can because i mean you know, you know you can't ever get that kind of stability anywhere anytime else in your career you know like he's in his prime right now so this is when he needs to cash in
2: i will add that i don't actually like big long-term contracts for on the uh gm standpoint for the team uh, you, we, we see it right now with Meggie. He's not worth $30 million and stuff like that. And we also saw, it with like, Verlander. Um, there are multiple seasons where he was not worth $30 million.
0: Yeah, but you know that going into it. It's like how the Rams knew they overpay for Matthew Stafford. You sign a really big contract knowing that the end of the term is not going to be worth it, but it's kind of just a, hey, we're willing to commit to you thing. And the player knows that too, and that's why they want the long-term deals because yeah. they know they're not going to be worth that much in that many years.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really just like, you know, a player like that, because of how good they will be for whatever the first half of their contract, they're willing to kind of just it's like... A, it's a
0: way to kind of work around the cap, honestly. Yeah. Because
1: yeah. you know that, like, you can't front-load contracts. and I mean, you kind of can, but, you know, this, yeah. is, this is the best way to kind of cheese the well, system. Well, right, right. And, like, you know, guys like Miggy or guys like uh, Correa, like, you know, you sign them to a big deal when they're in their prime, they're 27, obviously, you know, 10 years later or however long the, the long contract is obviously it'll be a different level of play and that's kind of just what you sacrifice so i guess to kind of put a bow on the play talk i'm i'm not
0: going to make i'm not going to carry any water for billionaires and say that i'm sad because their contracts are too long or they have to pay too much because we're already so far mm-hmm. under the, the the cap that it doesn't matter it yeah. is pathetic. That's my, <laughs> that's my – I had to rant on him a little bit. I can't stand him. Uh, let's move on from baseball, though. Glad to have it back. Thank God. We won't have to yell about it anymore. Uh, let's move on to the Pistons. Um, kind of the opposite trend of the Red Wings right now. You want to talk to us about kind of – not a return to winning, but, you know, something interesting is happening right now.
1: Yeah, so so Pistons right now sit at 18-49. and 49, So that's – I believe that's still – Second worst in the East, and okay, so they have the third worst record, so um they're still tied for those you know number one odds in the draft, but um but if you look at like their last ten record, it's six and four, and you know before that, like two games ago, it was six and two, so I mean, most fans knew about or and were aware of kind of like the hot streak they were going on but but now the question kind of is is like. If if they if their hot start kind of falters a little bit and they regress to the mean a little bit, are they better off kind of trying to keep up that five hundred, maybe a little bit above five hundred play, um, and and kind of bring some momentum into the next season, or are they better off tanking? And and that's been <laughs> this will continue to always be a polarizing topic among fans. Like, you know, you're always going to have the homers that will will just want you to tank the season away if you know you're not going to make the playoffs and then you'll have you know the other group that'll say like no we're not you know you should try to bring some of that uh momentum especially when you're like this early in a rebuild um so yeah um I think it's really interesting and and what I think that they'll do is I kind of think that they'll I, I think they'll do something similar to last year we'll we're they'll just really open up the roster to some of the young guys and you'll start seeing more guys sitting for like small nagging injuries. And, and as much as I do think that Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver are the type that do want to win as much as possible. um, I I have to imagine that uh, Troy Weaver has an idea of, you know, what keeping the top odds could potentially do to do for this team. And so I think it's going to kind of be competitive losses. I don't think they're just going to straight up tank. I still think they're going to try to win games. I think the game plan will just be shifted enough to where it'll result in less wins.
0: Yeah, I I'm actually tip very typically I'm on the side of just tank when things get bad. But I, I like I think I don't know with the Pistons it was a pretty disappointing year I'd say like in ter- at least the first stretch of it was pretty terrible. Um and I think at this point like with Cade and some of those guys, sure, they still need pieces. I'm not not going to argue that at all. But I'd like to see guys like Sadiq and Cade rewarded for their kind of play. So it's like I'll go back to the same thing I said last week. If they continue to win and it's based on the performance of Cade Cunningham, Sadiq Bey, um, Hami even, if you want to add him in there, and, and Marvin Bagley, I'm completely fine with it. Like I'm fine of of lowering my odds just a little bit if it means these guys are doing well. Um and that's kind of what's happening, I think. Like you were, we were talking about before the podcast. You said Jeremy Jeremy Grant's been kind of not really doing his. I, kind of deferring. To deferring. A little that's bit, the yeah. word. Yeah, he's finally starting to defer. And I would be pretty mad right now if the games were these was results because Jeremy Grant was taking over because he shot like 15 for 30. Like just, just son, heck, hella inefficient day. Like it, it, it's nice to see the Pistons winning based on the young guys, I guess. So. Now that being said, I think we need to be in the top 4 uh f- for like the odds. I I think we still should be like a top a top team cuz the ceiling or the difference between the guys at the top and the guys at bottom in this one, I just I would re- way rather have a shot at a guy like Jabari Smith or uh or Jaden Ivey.
1: Yeah, and and I think uh what Cade has shown in this stretch um kind of uh reaffirms the uh the case for uh, for like, you know, not not trying to necessarily like Put out your best pieces to win, like, at all costs for the rest of the season. Because now you know that he's, like, you know, essentially what we kind of expected is that he's basically, he's going to be able to be that guy. The guy that will have the ball in his hands at the end of the game, just as he'll have the ball in his hands at the start of the game. What was that game where he had, like, 17 fourth quarter points?
0: wasn't there a game where he just went off in the fourth quarter I think so I don't, I don't remember let me pull which up the schedule because but... that was a wild that was a wild ride like that was one of those games where you say like okay Dave Bing doesn't know basketball anymore <laughs> like those are the type of games you're just like okay that we really do have something
1: yeah and, and I think you know we kind of talked about Jeremy grant def- like starting to Kate a little bit and I think that really points to the fact that this whole team whether or not a guy like Jeremy Grant or whether or not like some of the guys are going to be on the team, like, long-term, long-term, like, when they're contending. Uh, is, I mean, is, having seen Jeremy Grant, like, already, like, just doing what we talked about, deferring to Cade, um, that's just, I think, to me, a kind of a clear message that it's like, okay, we're, as a team, we're ready to fully, like, you know, put all of our chips behind Cade Cunningham. And and so I think that that in itself is kind of uh, really what we wanted to get out of this season, you know? having the number one overall pick you want to see okay is this guy like you know is he gonna eventually be able to fit into the role or the you know the position that we drafted him for is to be the franchise guy and then you know i don't he's really hasn't given us any reason to believe that he hasn't
0: it was that game against atlanta i just pulled it up because he was on fire at the end and they still went to overtime and then he just took over in overtime as well and he ended up having 28 points that day It was just so fantastic
1: yeah it's moments like that where it's like you know all right. And you, you leading the team see... in
0: rebounds, too, like lately?
1: Yeah. I, I think a big part of that is, um, especially with uh, Isaiah Stewart being out the past few games, they really don't have rebounders on this team. Oh. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, uh, Bagley has been, and that's not, you know, to Bagley's, you know, that's not his fault or anything. He's still been doing a good job just, you know, collecting rebounds, and on top of that, kind of just contributing to the game in a lot of ways. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see, uh, kind of what his role is going forward. Like, I, you know, I wonder if someone like him, like if he keeps having like, you know, productive play, like, is he going to want, like, you know, really want to be a starter and kind of envision himself for that. And like, you know, if the Pistons don't give him a role like that, would he maybe try, you know, to find opportunities elsewhere? Um, cause it's hard to really say if, if, um, the team views him as, a, you know, like a long-term starting piece. And my gut is to say that right now they don't necessarily view him as the long-term starting piece, um, like at the four or five necessarily. So so it'll be really interesting to see um, if he's going to kind of, you know, take his contract in the off season and, um, and you know. See. Definitely like the start of a very interesting offseason for the Pistons. Yeah, absolutely. I think – and it'll be uh, just really important to kind of – um i think this year it's the biggest thing is you got to nail the draft you really yeah. have to because theoretically this would be the last year that you would have like you know a pick around the top spot if if you're able to get a decent guy to pair with cade cunningham um and Sadiq bay you know and then uh maybe you spend some money in the offseason this year maybe you just plug a few holes uh maybe you make a splash like you know a guy like miles bridges or a guy like deandre Ayton. you know who knows how how likely it would be that those guys would be willing to sign but but yeah i do think that um this offseason is is going to be big and this offseason will kind of tell us if the their plan to like win now starts this year or next this offseason
0: yeah So, I guess going along with that, I wanted to mention this real quick. Uh, if you had the number one pick, if they ended up getting the number one pick in the draft, who would you go with? Now, I'm I'm
1: still on the chat train. Chat Ch- Okay, Holmgren. that's I think,
0: kind of what I'm leaning to right yeah,
1: now. Yeah, I uh, I just think that he's, he's the kind of talent that, you know, kind of similar to Evan Mobley. Obviously, they uh, draw those comparisons, and stylistically, they're somewhat similar in their, like, you know, defensive uh, impact, I would say, but that's kind of it. They're not really that similar of players, but, but Chet Holmgren really seems like the kind of guy that like, you just don't see on other teams necessarily where he can literally impact just about every single shot on defense. And, you know, every single time it's, it's always the same, uh, knock against him. It's, you know, you know, is he going to be able to get stronger? Can he gain weight? Cause he's, you know, super skinny right now. But the thing is like, that's been said about him at every level and he's still like succeeded and like exceeded expectations at every level obviously the nba is you know the top level of competition and it's a new beast and it's you know not anything that he's uh, ever done before but i don't know i think i think that narrative is starting to get a little bit tired that like oh i wouldn't pick him with the top pick because he's got to gain weight um but i mean as far as uh Projectable traits um, and you know a developing offensive game that's already pretty solid, especially for a guy his size. Um, I just think that he he really has the opportunity to like alter the the franchise's direction just with that yeah. one pick. So and
0: like, I and I'm always a hundred percent a take swing kind of guy in the draft. Like mm-hmm. I really hate safe picks and like Chet, like you said, he's not a guy you see on every team. Like and and whereas. A guy like Paolo Bonquero, Bencher- not Banchero, I've been playing too much 2K, and I hadn't heard it yet. But a, a guy like him is more of like a like we were talking about earlier, kind of a safe guy to pick. Kind of a you see him on some teams. He's a guy who who you can see projecting in an NBA lineup, but he might not have an impact of a chat.
2: Um, uh, I also like Chat. You know, the Pistons could really use a seven foot guy. But let's assume that the Pistons don't get him and that they have number two. I'll throw another name out there. I like Keegan Murray out of Iowa. At number two, you like Keegan Murray? At number two, yes. No. <laughs> I
1: I just, man,
0: I, I... I like Keegan Murray, but I don't think I would I would rather go, have Javari Smith.
1: I, I think the absolute lowest I could go for him is four, and even yeah. then, I... I would rather
0: have Javari Smith. I'd rather have... Or Javari Smith. I'd rather have Chet Holmgren. I would rather have Jaden Ivey. I would rather have... um. Paulo
1: now, I'm still kind of split on Jaden Ivey because I, d- I don't know if he's necessarily... I, I think he's going to be a good player, but I, I don't know if he's going to be... I don't know how what his fit looks like next to Cade Cunningham because I don't yeah. know if... The thing yeah, is, I don't know if fair. he'll be able to play off ball as yep. much as he would have to because he's a very ball-dominant guy. And and I don't know. It's, it's different from Killian where, I mean, you know, obviously Killian has not played so well up to this point in his career but he at least with killing he is kind of like ball dominant but in the sense that like it's because if he has the ball he's making plays for others whereas you know Jaden ivy will be looking to score when he has the ball yeah. and and in that sense you don't really want to be taking the ball out of cade cunningham's hands to you know like defer to another scorer, or even if he's like the second option i think cade would be better off playing with somebody who kind of mirrors
0: like is more complimentary because yeah, yeah, yeah Kate is gonna be the face, I guess. And right. and Jaden Ivey has kind of maybe that, that potential to be the face for someone else.
1: And Jaden Ivey kinda reminds me of like what Colin Sexton did with mm-hmm. uh with Cleveland where, you know, he was a really good scorer and he was a really good player, but it, it always kinda seemed like he was I don't wanna say impeding uh the other players who were a little more high profile, but you know, it was kinda like I don't know, and I think colin sexton did get a little bit of a bad rap and i think he's still a good player but that's kind of how i view what that situation might turn out if jaden Ivey gets picked so so i really like him i just i don't know if the fit's necessarily there so Like
0: in a vacuum like yeah but i guess yeah okay that yeah like in a vacuum
1: but taking it back to keegan murray i guess in a vacuum i would probably take jaden Ivey, the prospect over keegan murray yeah yeah but not for the the pistons yeah that that's fair yeah because i mean
0: Even when when Cade has been... Cade's a volume shooter, like, already. Mm -hmm. You know, like, he's gonna take a lot of rips. Um, obviously sometimes it doesn't work out as well, but yeah, he's a, he's a guy who's going to use up a lot of the offense.
1: Right, and a guy like Keegan Murray would also probably be a volume shooter, but, yeah. but the thing is, you know, he's not going to, he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands to create his shot. I think he's not, he'll, he's more He his
0: chances driving the net. He can...
1: Yeah, uh, and he's, I think he's just a really smart offensive player, specifically off-ball, and I think that's kind of how he finds himself in so many situations where he can kind of just take advantage, you know, shoot over the top, uh, get to the rim. And I haven't watched a whole lot of Keegan Murray, but um, but, yeah, I think he's a natural scorer, and I think the fit could be there with Cade. I, I guess I'd, I really don't know how he projects on the defensive end. And, and you know, if he is, like... I, I just think that the,
0: the Pistons just need a big defender, like, right now. Like, I would just love to see a guy who can who, who can punish teams in the paint, like, can kind of make them think twice before they just drive the net.
1: Like, it's, yeah. it would just be nice to have them. The closest they have to that is Isaiah Stewart. And, I mean, he... I don't know. Isaiah Sewer is interesting because he's kind of like locked down and he'll get, like, you know, he'll block just about any shot if he's, like, there in close proximity. Um, but he's not the guy that's, like, a constant rim protector necessarily. And he's not always, like, um, you know, back there to, uh, give it a whack. Kind of, yeah, just, like, uh, protect the rim like that. So, uh, so, yeah, I, I think that definitely they could, uh, they could stand to, to benefit from, from getting, like, a room protector for sure.
0: Okay, so that's Pistons for now. Uh, anything else, Ryan? Uh, no. <clears throat> All right, so let's move on to the Lions. Um, right now the talk of the town is free agency. We're finally starting to see some moves go on. Players or teams are finally deciding things. We saw a block, block, blockbuster trade to, uh, to the Broncos. Crazy there. Um, Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay. We don't know for how much yet. Carson Wentz. <laughs> of course, Carson Wentz. That one, that one's weird. That's so <sighs> for, for both parties. I, the Colts I, are so weird, oddly, run. I just, I don't
1: really. I like really think enough. the Colts are going to get like Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's what's. Yeah, I think so after. too. I think
0: so too. And I think it's going to go poorly because I think Jimmy Garoppolo has a ceiling and they're trying to play ball from the early 2000s. They're trying to be the Patriots the early 2000s and they need to be more dynamic.
2: I will say that was a great move by Washington to snatch Carson Wentz. He is now the best quarterback in the NFC East.
0: Carson Wentz is not better than uh, Dak Prescott. You cannot be giving
1: up two third-round picks for Carson Wentz yeah. and, and that contract. That's just – I think that's just kind of an egregious mismanagement of assets. I mean, I guess we'll see. Maybe he, he'll – what? Okay, but third-round picks, especially now with the way that, like, combine like the combine and and all of the advanced scouting and you know like these guys are these draft picks are getting more and more valuable and quarterbacks who can kind of maybe keep your team afloat a little bit but have a bloated contract yeah do not contract is what and and
0: washington always seems to have that issue don't they yeah they're just handing out contracts to the weirdest people it's just it's kind of a poverty franchise i guess
1: (laughs) yeah and it's it's like it's it's guys that like they could very well be complimentary pieces but they'll be like, okay, you've been, because you've contributed this much, we're going to give you a lot more money. And that's kind of like, that's kind of, or we see you contributing this much maybe. And that's kind of what we saw with like Patricia and, yeah, and that Bob is Quinn. Really we're where saying. like, you know, they paid Trey Flowers, what was it? Like five years, 90 mil. yeah, Like just an insanely bloated contract because they were like, oh, this guy's going to slot right into our system. He's going to fit perfectly. Um, same thing with draft picks. They picked freaking Jelani Tavai in the second round. Because they thought, you know, they thought, okay, this is the guy fits the profile we want for a linebacker. Maybe he's not uh, th- this high as far as and scouting and on And those were and two decisions
0: that we both
1: – every fan who wasn't
0: just dr- drowning themselves in Kool-Aid knew immediately that those were both shit picks. I was in
1: high school, and I was able yeah. to,
0: like, the, determine that – The Trey this, Flowers one especially is crazy. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That w- oh. Like, the, like the, the, uh, the, the draft pick was just kind of like, this is weird. This is such a Lions thing to do. But the Trey Flowers, that's like – that that was just ridiculous and then obviously he's he's out of the roster now he's gone he went bye-bye and saw some interesting goodbyes on twitter kind of a, a yeah. good mix i guess
1: yeah no and by all accounts trey flowers is a good guy and you know he's a really good locker locker room presence and you know like we've talked about with some of these contracts i mean i don't blame the guy for taking the contract like if somebody's gonna overpay me to do a job sure i'll take it like you can't get mad at Trey Flowers the player because, or Trey Flowers the guy because he took the contract. I mean, you can think what you want about Trey Flowers the player, but I mean, he was just doing what was best for him. And so I think it just a shining example of just how awful that regime was.
0: It always comes back to the, them, doesn't it? Ugh.
1: I they're just the worst. It's because we uh, like the right now the the they're still covering up the um, yeah. the leftovers and, and Trey Shots. Flowers is part of that, you know. So yeah I don't know I just luckily you know on to bigger and better things and part of that is free agency <laughs> that's a great transition <laughs> but yeah I, I think did we even mention Khalil Mack's name we did not
0: no geez yeah I feel like that's a pretty big one too For the NFC North yeah Khalil Mack finally out of here uh yeah. heading to the AFC West and I said it on Twitter, that is a nuclear race right now. There's a nuclear arms race in the AFC West. Like, all those teams, you got the Broncos making moves, You got... and it's ridiculous. I think the Broncos might be scary good next year. I think that might sneak a lot. I think that might be the Buccaneers of a couple years ago where they just come in and just win the Super Bowl or go to it.
1: The Broncos need to, like, shore up their defense a little bit in the draft, and they need to yeah.
2: go for it. I know. I see the Broncos finishing third in that division, to be honest. I see them finishing behind Kansas City and L.A., uh, I, th- I think LA is going to win that division next year. I think they're going to be really good.
0: Got to learn not to mumble, Paul. No one can hear you. <laughs> well, it's good because that te- – well, it's not a horrible take. I understand it. But I, I feel like uh, Kansas City is probably still going to be the favorites to win. But I don't know. The Chargers are just kind of frauds. They always just kind of choke. <laughs> they're just kind of the choking franchise. And I just – the Broncos kind of have a good history. I know they've been kind of terrible with quarterbacks. But – the Broncos are a respected organization, and I, I trust their front office more, even with, like, some beast like Cleo Mack coming on. I, again, that's just kind of getting into the nitty-gritty, though, of, of the season. So if we want to bring it right back to the free agents there, just wanted to mention that, though. It was important. Cleo Mack finally yeah. out of the NFC North. Thank yes. God.
1: good riddance. Um, all right, so let's – I mean, so let's go uh, – we'll do our uh, free agency preview right now. So um, let's kind of just go uh, by position. At first, or the first one I have down here is quarterback. We're not going to spend too much time on it because, I mean, obviously, free agency probably isn't the way they're going to address, you know, specifically starting quarterback. Um, So if they were to address something, you know, it's going to be the backup quarterback. Um, Because Tim Boyle is a free agent this year. um, And he, I mean, we've talked about this before, but, you know, he was just not good. He, uh... He, he, I think that the, they liked him because of arm talent and he had, you know, he has a really big arm and he could, he could, you know, he has a cannon, but he could never put it together as far as, uh, accuracy and, and just kind of like the mental aspect of it. So I don't think Tim Boyle is going to come back. Um, I mean, it's rumored that they still like him. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't really think so. And I think David Blau is kind of like, I don't know if they view him as the long-term backup. Um, I mean, maybe they might give him a chance, um, and I would be interested to see, interested to see what he could do. But ultimately, you know, it's it's a backup quarterback. Um, so guys that they could maybe look into, um, you know, maybe they look into a guy like Tyrod Taylor, and they decide that they want some competition in camp. Now, I absolutely wouldn't do that. I, I don't like. I would rather just roll with Jared Goff for too one more pricey. year yeah and then you know you wonder for value and it would probably just be some like a one-year deal or something maybe just to you know just literally for competition in the quarterback competition yeah um so yeah i um another guy kind of similar to that mold maybe not quite like he wouldn't um i don't necessarily think he would be able to push jared goff but a guy like trevor simeon um you know, he's had success in the NFL, and he's been fine. Um,
0: he's one of those quintessential backups. <laughs> yeah, he seems
1: like the kind of guy where if you sign him, like you are committing to him as like your long-term backup. Yep. Um, so, so, you know, that would be interesting, and I wouldn't hate something like that. I just wouldn't want them to pay too much for it. And then one other name I have written down uh, is Josh Johnson. Um, he's kind of bounced around, um, and he's played in a few other leagues, too. He's played in like the XFL and the AAF, but, but going through like, you know, his career, he's had success everywhere and he's, he's been in the NFL, like in and out kind of, but I, I kind of view him as really just a guy that you bring in as basically a quarterback's coach who is just like on the roster because, you know, so somebody like that, you just the, the presence of the leadership in the locker room, that could be big, especially if, you know, like let's say you do end up drafting a guy like Malik Willis at number two, or you trade up for Malik Willis or any other quarterbacks. If you try to address the quarterback position this year, it would make sense to sign a guy like Josh, uh, Josh Johnson to kind of just be there and, and, you know, kind of help him out. So, so that's all I have on quarterbacks. Do you guys have any, any other? Yeah, I don't think so. I
0: think just, uh, we're, I think we're probably going to be bad this year again. So like, I don't want to go and spend too much on a quarterback, I guess, just because he's kind of backing up a guy who's already kind of trash. So, like, I do think it's important to get because David Blah is not going to cut it. Tim Boyle is terrible. I don't want either of them back. Just go and get someone um, maybe
2: a little cheaper than a Trevor
0: Simeon.
1: And honestly, I would rather them just draft a guy late, like, you know, a developmental quarterback.
2: Yeah, I want them to draft a quarterback. Not – Preferably in the first round. If Kenny Pickett falls to the second round, great. That's probably not going to happen. <laughs> I keep on seeing that, but uh, not from any reliable sources, of course. Uh, just from my fake mock drafts. Uh, but I really want Bailey Zappi out of Western Kentucky. I want him so badly. Uh, but d- if you don't draft one, don't get one. Let let Goff play off his contract and potentially pr- prove himself for another season.
0: I don't think you're looking for a replacement for golf. I think it's competition slash backup that you're looking for. I, I, and I really, I'm sure we'll talk about this as draft season approaches. But I, I don't, I don't want to waste a, a day 2 pick on Bailey Zappy or someone like that. I'd rather them fill gaps in the defense and maybe snag another receiver or the first receiver or something.
1: Yeah, and as it stands, I mean, a guy like Zappi, you'd probably have to use your other third round pick. Yep, so. third or fourth is where I've seen. Well, you know, we don't have a fourth round pick, so. Oh, yeah. And so then our, our, our fifth round pick form. is projected to be near the end, so I really don't think you have a chance at him if, if not the third round pick. So, and as much as I do like Bailey zappi I think he's fun prospect. I, I do think he's an interesting like developmental backups, um, but he also I,
0: doesn't play a s- similar system to what the Lions would run
1: at all. No, 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 not
0: even a little bit. We do well, opposite of air right He's a, he, we we need a ding and dunker. We don't need a guy who can kind of just heave the ball
1: yeah yeah so i don't you know ultimately i just don't think quarterback will be addressed much in the offseason and if it is the biggest thing they would do i think is you know a guy like like we talked about trevor simeon something like that we're like a long-term backup slash maybe potential you know competition all right so let's move on to tight ends i only have two uh names down here because I don't know. I, I think it's more likely they'll use one of their uh, later picks Late to picks or draft fire on a guy that, and they also still have Brock, right? Which I think they like him. It seems like they like him. So, yeah. um, so yeah, so the names I have written down and this first one, um, I'm surprised I haven't seen his name. I, th- I mean, he's not a very big name at all, but, um, he just seems to make a lot of sense and that's Johnny Munt. He's a guy from the Rams, um,
2: he ended um, up getting
1: a decent amount of uh, playing time just with some of the injuries that they had in their tight end room, um, but you know he's so he's a, yeah obviously a Rams guy so he has that connection with uh, with Holmes. Um, he's also a, a really good blocking tight end, and I yeah, think that that that's something actually that they're really gonna look for. And and you know and he's he's under thirty. I think he's gonna be 20, 28 or twenty nine when the season starts. So so you know it's just the the type of uh tight end that it, it does make sense and you could realistically see him you know just signing maybe a really cheap contract just to come in and be like a tight end to inline blocker type so i think um i think he makes a lot of sense and the other guy that i have written down is tyler conklin <gasps> <Yes. laughs> who's finally a free agent yes. i have been waiting for this now i want that now, if you don't know, Tyler Conklin is a CMU graduate. Um, we're all from Mount Pleasant. So that that would just be – that That'd would be, be a awesome. really – that would be so cool. Um, in 2021, he had his most productive year with the biggest role he's seen with the Vikings. Um, he was a fifth-round pick back um, – I think it was like 2018. But last year he had 61 receptions, 593 yards, three touchdowns. Um, that's the kind of production you want out of – even like maybe lower numbers, but – um, if he comes in and becomes, you know, the tight end two behind uh, T.J. Hawkinson. But the other thing that the Lions are going to have to talk about is they're going to have to make a decision on T.J. Hawkinson's fifth year option this year. Um, don't do it. No, you don't think so. I'm not hot. I, I'm I, th- not a- I think they should do the fifth year option because ultimately I don't think it's it's not how bad much. Expensive. How much is it? Do you know? I don't know what it'll okay. be. It, it'll be like double digits because he was a number eight overall pick, but. Um, but, I, I mean, I think that you need to – obviously, it's really going to depend on how this year shakes out, and he's had injuries which hasn't allowed him to, or like, play out. trade up. him. I, that that trade could him. be an option that <laughs> I they want to think trade him, him so bad. They, they could. Yeah, I, it's know. my most controversial opinion,
0: I think, as a, as a Lions fan. I feel like that one's pretty well hated, but I would love yeah. to trade him. Get some mm-hmm. asset
1: value. Nah, TJ Hawkinson has some love here in Detroit, that's for sure. I, I would really like to keep
2: Hawkinson. At all. Kinds. I agree. Paul. We we, we I... need a really good tight end. He's one of the best tight ends in the league. Just keep him. I mean, he's no Travis Kelsey, but come on, you get rid of, uh, Hawkinson, you're taking a step back, not a step forwards. The receiving core is already so horrible.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess mine is purely asset management. Looking at it in a in a vacuum, you like removing my love for the guy because I do really like him as a player. He's probably my favorite lion right now. That's not on the offensive line. I. I think, yeah. So, like, I do like him a lot. It's just, I'm a very big asset believer. <clears throat> and I think paying your tight end a lot, well, you have gaping holes everywhere else, but the line is just a little sketchy. But I get it. Like, I get it because the receiving court is egregiously bad right now, still. Like, it doesn't hurt to have a weapon,
1: but it, that's a really, a, that's a luxury item to me and not a building item. Well, and the thought is that it's kind of like, okay, maybe it's not um, the most. Necessarily valuable position that they um have, but it, it's a, a an aspect of the offense that is taken care of. You know, like yeah. if you roll with T.J. Hawkins like ultimately he is, you know, regardless of how you spin it, he's going to be a starting tight end and he's going to be a high yeah, end. Yeah, tight yeah. he's gonna tight be end on just upper half. Of just the because of the sure. athleticism he possesses and and his skill set, and I think that um it would be really interesting to you know actually see him in a full seasons work. Yeah. Uh, kind of you know. Four years into his – If he doesn't get injured,
0: falling down immediately after catching a pass, <laughs> just tumbling to or the ground. Trying to
1: trying to uh, hurdle a guy and just <laughs> – Anyway. I love that. Uh, no, but I, I, I believe in TJ Hawkinson. I think the thought is, you know, this offseason, you're going to address the wide receiver position somehow. And, I've, I mean, this we'll, we'll get to receiver next. And I, actually, this is a pretty good transition. Yeah, let's transition this. But, but, you know, you're going to address receiver. You're probably – and. After that, like, the offense is pretty much set. So I think yep. that's that's the uh, – I don't want to say set. Obviously, you're still looking yeah. for the quarterback of the future maybe. But, but, yeah, so let's talk about the wide receivers that they're probably going to try to address. So I think before even talking about any of the players who are on the market, I think it would be worth our time to look at what has happened in the past, like, week or two where the market has really dried up here where it seemed like Very it was quickly. quite strong, um, but, you know, within – just like as of recently we've had so chris godwin he was franchise tagged and it's rumored that um that they're uh negotiating a long-term deal so he's not going to be an option anymore amari cooper obviously just got traded to the cleveland browns um that was such an interesting trade that was yeah yeah and and asset management i think i was i was kind of like every other person when i saw it where i was like what that's a terrible trade you know you're getting a fifth round pick and you're swapping sixths but then I did see an explanation where it, it did make a little more sense where they were gonna cut him a couple Yeah, weeks that was ago. the only yeah. option they, they really had. Like yeah. that was the only like true offer they had, and you know, obviously, okay, you get one pick, it's better than cutting him out, right? And it seemed like Cleveland was like It's a really... pretty big miss for the Cowboys though. Like that sucks. I like, think and have the have thing is <laughs> Cooper is like obviously he was really good, but it's it's because of the stupid contract they gave to Zeke Elliott. Yeah. Like which like is that's just, just biting them right
0: now. That contract is so awful no running back short of Barry Sanders should get paid money like that. Yeah, I'm 100% a believer, and that is the most replaceable position in the
1: NFL. And we're seeing so, so many anyone. examples of, of these high-profile running backs just falling off a cliff and being able to like be replaced. Like Le'Veon Todd Gurley? Bell. Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley
0: was insane. I forget how good he was until Le'Veon I watched. Le'Veon Bell, too, was just for uh, for like yeah. five
1: years, for like half a decade, he was just like unstoppable. Yeah. And then, you know, as, as the NFL evolves, he's literally just – I mean obviously age plays a factor but but he's just essentially rendered useless now.
2: Yeah, if you want to waste money in the NFL, go get a top running back. Spend big money, get a Christian McCaffrey, get Ezekiel Elliott, get somebody like that cuz you're going to get seven solid games out of them. They're going to be injured for another seven and the other three, they're going to perform horribly. They're going to get like 20 yards.
1: Um i think we can all agree um we, ha- we have gotten off of the wide receiver track yes, a yes yes but i do think we can all agree that running back is, running back is useless yeah just way overvalued sometimes so anyways let's um so we got talking about that because we we're talking about amari cooper um so obviously yeah so he's traded to the cleveland browns he's not an option anymore um the next one michael gallup um he is said to be negotiating a long-term deal with Dallas, and, you know, that's part of the reason why they were getting rid of Amari Cooper. Obviously, we talked about the cap implications, but the other thing is, you know, they liked what they had in Gallup, so maybe they're thinking, all right, let's, let's give our homegrown guy Gallup, let's give him uh, kind of the reins as far as the receiver room and maybe draft a running mate for him this year or something instead of continuing to pay the older Amari Cooper, like, you know, just $20 million a year or whatever it was um so yeah so Gallup's not an option anymore speaking of 20 million dollars a year mike williams was signed to a two-year or three-year 60 million dollar contract by the chargers
0: they're that, really
1: going for that it, is they? a hefty contract for a red zone target and who knows mike williams might have more to to unlock in his game but that dude does not have I the have stats to get too.
0: mike williams agent for like my writing or get, like that is insane that is an insane highway robbery i <laughs>
1: don't I don't want to make it sound like Mike Williams isn't a good player. Like, he's been productive, but you're just paying him, like, a like a number one receiver. And I don't know if he's that.
2: Yeah. I mean, statistically, he was a number one receiver last year. I mean, not the number one, but he's definitely, like, one of the number ones. Yeah, His
1: numbers couldn't have been better than Keenan Allen's, though, were they? No. <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, I can't imagine like, you know, you have a guy like Keenan Allen already, which maybe they're thinking that it's time to part ways soon. But that's what's so baffling to me about this is like the Charger, like we talk about the Chargers are on an upswing and yet here they are spending like how much money do they have just in their uh, receiving room? And I, I think it's a, a good uh, strategy to get two really high end receivers. But
2: I just think the $20 million a year for Mike Williams is just a bit egregious. I mean, I think the uh, price tag's a little high. <laughs> I wouldn't go more than 12, 13 million for the guy. But I have no problem with the Chargers keeping Mike Williams. Uh, I think that was a very smart decision. Once again, would not give that price tag. But I I see him as like the Cooper Cup last year of the AFC West. Cooper Cup?
0: Man, Cooper Cup has <laughs> like the craziest season right. of almost of all time. All right, let Paul explain. What do you What do you got?
2: Okay, not that he was like Cooper <laughs> Cup exactly, <laughs> obviously he went nuts, but Mike Williams, not really the Chargers' top receiver, comes out of nowhere, has one of the top ten receiving uh, stats of the entire year.
1: All right, is this in terms of touchdowns, yards, receptions? What?
2: All, all of the above, I, I think.
1: How many yards did he have? No, he had a lot of
2: fantasy points. Here, I'll...
0: I'll Yeah, that's why
2: Paul... This is why Paul... Because Paul doesn't
0: have, like, a big concept of anything that isn't fantasy. He did have more... uh, So, Mike Williams had more yards and more touchdowns than Keenan Allen. But Keenan Allen had more receptions and more targets.
1: Yeah, and and that's the thing... Which about makes sense. Well, and that's the thing is, like... It's clear, like, Mike Williams is a big play guy. So, I mean, that's why he's kind of getting some of these gaudier numbers. But Keenan Allen is still the guy you go to when you need, like, X amount of yards.
0: Mike Williams is the guy that you take the top off to, yeah. to,
1: to get Keenan Allen in. Yeah, so I just don't think you can pay a guy $20 million like that. And I don't think that Mike Williams will necessarily, like, if they do part ways with Keenan Allen, I don't think he'll be able to slot into the Keenan Allen role No, no way. He doesn't have that skill set. So I just, anyways, it's, you know, ultimately <laughs> this, this contract doesn't impact Detroit sports that much. But, but I, I did think it was interesting, and I did want to talk about it. Um, okay, so without with those guys out of the way, the guys who are no longer options, let's talk about the top options left. So when you look at the top options, two names stick out. Um, to me, Allen Robinson and Odell Beckham Jr. Now, uh, let's kind of just you know with the obj thing it's not gonna happen no the obj nope. especially with his uh, you know obviously his impressive play and then tearing his acl in the super bowl um and at his age you know he's gonna go to uh, i don't want him and i don't want and he doesn't want to be here right and, 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 and that seems like it's somewhat universal like you know yep. what why 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 would he want to come here especially if he's like got a short shelf life now be- between his age and the, this injury so so, yeah, I don't – we're not going to spend any time on Odo no. because we just all agree that it won't happen. Um, however, Allen Robinson does have a lot – there's a lot more smoke to that, uh, you know, to that rumor. Um, and, I, I mean, obviously, this is the dumbest way to, like, evaluate these things. But there have been screenshots of, you know, Mike William or not Mike Williams – Allen Robinson liking things about Detroit, um, about, like, you know – detroit should sign mike williams i think that was a specific alan robinson not mike williams <laughs> my apologies but uh but you know alan robinson is a is a hometown kid you know he's from michigan um and so i think that's a big reason why everybody's kind of you know kind of all gung ho on him and and he's the type of guy where you could bring him in and he could be that number one receiver because they've talked so much about wanting that you know the guy that you go to when you need x amount of yards just like keenan allen
2: you know, this is a guy this is a perfect time to go after an Allen Robinson guy where if I'm, you get a receiver right now and they're just meh on a short term deal, okay, that's fine. We're not trying to win right now anyways. But get Allen Robinson, get him cheap. Go get him cheap. He's, he just he just has not gonna come cheap though. He had a horrible season. Yes, but Paul if he's you, not coming think cheap. Think about what
1: that we is just talked about opinion. with with the with the market being dried up. Like People are going to be overpaid, just like Kenny Galladay w- was overpaid want last year. Big
0: money, too. He's yeah. going to want. I to.
1: think now. I think he'll. I, I think he'll probably be in the. You might be able to get him for around like. Fifteen, sixteen. Ah, uh, maybe a little bit less than that a year. And no, I think he's going to ask for that because his last
0: contract was $17 seventeen million, seventeen point eight million. Paul with, does with the have Bears. a point. His
1: his numbers did dip yeah yeah but, but I mean, part of that he a, like he played less no games. i i know it was it was a big time drop in production but it was also like somewhat of an indictment on the the bears offensive scheme where obviously Allen robinson was a better and more accomplished receiver than what they had and it didn't seem like it was a a priority for them to like scheme him as as he should be based on his his, his talent his agent
0: is gonna say look at look at what he did with this team and he's going into like a similar team you know what I mean? right he, he's and he's going to use also, that argument the
1: narrative that will always follow him is like look at his quarterbacks he's he started his career being thrown to by blake bortles <laughs> then he came and got passes from mitch trubisky yeah and you know then nick Foles, andy dalton whoever the hell else i mean justin fields who we don't need to talk about Justin Fields.
0: And he does. I, I will say he does kind of fit more of that mold that the Lions want. Like you were saying, that number one receiver who could kind of light up. He's 6'2", like I think two twenty. It said right here. Ah, uh, so like he's not. He's massive, got the profile of a number one receiver. But he's big. Sure. He's big. Ha- he can be a number one receiver. I think.
2: Yeah, you put this guy with Amon Ra, the Lions are going to light up the stage. I mean, let's face it. Fallon Robinson can be successful with man quarterbacks, and Amon Rock can be successful with Goff. You you give Goff a receiving core, he's just fine. You give Goff a good offense, he can get that team to the playoffs. Not this team, not with this roster, but he can get a team to the playoffs without a doubt. Yeah, obviously. I mean, obviously yeah. he's done it before. Yeah, in History. His, yep.
1: And but I, I I do agree where I think if if you tailor an offense to Jared Goff, I think he's really able to like. If he can find some kind of rhythm, then he's really able to kind of just ride that momentum. And I think that's why, you know, when you saw him with the high powered Rams offenses, like he was really kind of just able to. I don't want to say go through the motions because obviously you know he's playing the hardest position in. He's football.
0: what people say Tom Brady was the the system quarterback. He's right. such a system quarterback, and but, he, but th- he can play that role well. He and can.
1: I th- I've always thought that the system quarterback narrative is definitely overblown. because, yeah, like, I think so too. What are you doing if you're not trying to get a quarterback who fits in your system? Well, now, and at obviously the end of the that's day,
0: not... It's success. Like look at look at Aaron Rodgers. He has all the talent in the world. He's arguably the most talented quarterback to ever play the position. Like he's the top three, I think. He has one Super Bowl, and he has te- he's terrible in the postseason. And then look at Nick Foles, who also has
1: one <laughs> Super Bowl and is the epitome of a, of a system quarterback. Yeah, real, yeah. So it's like, it's one of those things where, and, I mean, we're not talking about quarterbacks right now, but, but I do think that the, the narrative around system quarterback is kind of just like, I don't know. It's, it just doesn't make sense to me all the time. So.
0: And this is someone who hates, uh, who hates Jared Goff as as a player to just you know this is not defense i'm just saying it like in the next few years during this bridge year i think that's perfectly acceptable to have a dink and duck, Dinkin
1: yeah. duck guy. and 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 i agree with paul that i think allen robinson really would help that now if you sign a guy like allen robinson that's probably your splash you know you're probably not getting a guy like and we'll you know we'll talk about a few other guys but a big splash like marcus williams like we here talked about a lot um you might not be able to even, like, have an opportunity for him if you sign Allen Robinson. And then the other thing with Allen Robinson is, like, all right, well, how long are you going to sign him? Because obviously he's, like, 29. But we know that, like, he's not going to be signed to a one-year deal. That doesn't make sense for either side because the Lions obviously aren't going to be competing next year. And there's really no reason for Allen Robinson to sign, like, a one-year deal. So, you know, then you wonder, okay, is it going to be more like a three-, four-year deal if they, like, you know, come to an agreement with him? And at that point, it's like, all right. Obviously, you're getting him with some later years. You're also like by making the signing, you're um, suggesting that you will be in a uh, contending, or you know, like a contending. That's a scenario. contending move for sure. Um, so, a guy like him is really interesting because it kind of says a little bit about what the front offense thinks about where where the um, the team is right now. Um, so, I I like the idea of Allen Robinson in a vacuum. I just like I was just talking about. I don't really know. You know, I you really have to put him in a position to like kind of maximize his value because otherwise it's like you don't necessarily just want a the, a guy who could be elsewhere, maybe happier, like getting more, just having yeah. more success on, on a shorter. And, and the
0: number one thing for me
1: is just is just the term. Like
0: I don't want to overpay for him. Uh, and, and again, like we were talking about earlier, court like he's done good. This is not an indictment of him as the player. I'm just. It's going back to my thing where asset management is really big for me. So just be wary, I guess, of massive contracts with him.
1: Yeah. So so that's that's kind of where we stand on Allen Robinson. Um, so let's move to an, to a guy who's more on the low end of like the spectrum, kind of where he's he's the type of guy that you would pick up just to add competition into your uh, receiver room, and that's James Washington from uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, yeah. Now I'd. I think because the Lions just re-signed Josh Reynolds, that kinda makes a guy like James Washington a little bit just arbitrary, I guess. Like I he he reminds me a lot of Josh Reynolds where he's kind of just like this tall outside guy. He's not blazing fast. His forty time was a five four or four five four. But he's got good like build up and like long speed, you know, he can stride out and he can cover a lot of ground. Um so he – but it, he was kind of – in Pittsburgh, um, they kind of moved him to, like, a slot position, which was, like, out of his natural position, and then they kind of just benched him. They, it was a really weird kind of, like, management of his skill set. Um, so I don't see him at all, really, as a slot guy. I think he would be, like I said, similar to Josh Reynolds, kind of similar to Quintez Cephas, where he'll play the, quote-unquote, Z position, where you're not the number one receiver, but you're kind of, like, on the opposite on the outside a lot of times. Um. So, yeah, I think he would be the kind of guy who could really just come in and kind of compete for maybe a starting job.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think James Washington is fit for the Lions offense. The, Li- the Lions aren't good enough for that. They have the Steelers receiving core is a little bit better than the Lions. Not that it's good. Their offense isn't good at all. But you're going from there to Detroit. No, he's he, he needs other decent receivers around them to have any sort of success well if the lions sign a guy like james washington
1: that's probably operating under the assumption that they've drafted a receiver or they're gonna draft a receiver quite high because you know you don't sign james rob or james washington to be um the number one receiver you sign him like you know like i said just to kind of push some of the younger guys and maybe help out with uh the rookie a little bit whoever that may be but but yeah i think james washington and that's kind of why i put him in the the tier of like you know a lower end like um like i said just like a z type uh receiver um so yeah so the next guy that i have written down and paul this is the one that i said i think you're gonna like (laughs) before we started recording dj Chark jr
2: Um, I want DJ Chark.
1: DJ Chark is, uh, for some context, he's a fantasy darling for Paul. <laughs> That's part of the reason why Paul loves him. But, um, but yeah, he um, – so, DJ Chark is, uh, you know, former uh, Jaguars guy. Uh, he's a free agent now. So, he's like a – he's a six four outside receiver, and he's got speed. Like, he's got, like, legit speed. You know, you don't see guys like that too often. Um, and – there are questions about, you know, can he can he truly be, like, a number one receiver? Can he uh, yes. be the guy to, like, carry the load, kind of? Um, I, I don't know. Honestly, I have no idea if he can do that. I think he's still young, and I do think that he could develop more. But, you know, I don't know if he could really be the type of guy that, um, you know, fits the mold of the number one X receiver that you go to when you need yards.
2: I, I think if we're going to look at where he had success at, the Jaguars, uh, also without oh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, also and with, had uh, plenty of success in Jacksonville. Uh, I don't even think he would be the number one wide receiver in Detroit. I think it'd be Amon-Rob. But I...
1: well, okay. When I say number one, I kind of i am more um, referring to like the X receiver, where it's just like you're always kind of like the outside guy. You know, usually you fit like a mold of like six two, six one, six two plus. Um, you know, close to 200 pounds or something. You're kind of like a big physical receiver slash red zone threat, um, and that's what I mean when I mean wide receiver one. That you know, Amon Ross St. Brown might still outgain him in yards, like in the slot. um And it, Amon Ross St. Brown can also go outside, but he's not the traditional
2: X receiver. Yeah, I mean, regardless, I I want him. I I think that'd be a great deal. I'd, I'd be willing to pay him uh about 12 million. <laughs>
1: or something I don't think like he's gonna command 12 million i think he'll probably he can probably be had for like seven or eight mil a year then get him, get him. i well i guess i shouldn't that's what that would be my assumption i don't know yep. that for sure
0: but. well your argument that you said <clears throat> with um with alan robinson coming cheaper i i don't think that's the case because i think he's probably the number one receiver alive but i think you could more use that argument that the argument's more applicable to dj chart just because of of the recent injuries um he's had stretches where he's not that great you know, like i i think
1: yeah. he's he's mostly unproven
0: yeah he, that's he's, what i'm trying he's to had he's productive guys yep so you kind of like as a that's way easier to argue with an agent <laughs> like when when you bring an agent to the table you can say like last year he barely played he's had stretch we don't know what he is yet so i, I don't know I, th- I think you can get him for a good value and apparently paul wants that more than anything i actually don't mind it at all i think on the outside that's what you need like you were saying ryan when when we talk about number one receiver we mean a guy who has the formula of one kind of who can go to the outside because i I don't know you can have a number one receiver and and he's not necessarily the best receiver on the roster i guess
1: yeah and you know i almost wonder if they did uh sign a guy like him i wonder if they would try to draft um a receiver that maybe isn't in the mold of like a outside receiver like somebody more similar to uh, Amon-Ra st brown where they have more positional uh versatility and they can kind of like uh switch between like you know they can swap out with uh Amon Ross St. Brown in the slot um on the outside at the z position um pro- can run routes in the x uh as well um and you know I got I got, you know, we're not really talking about draft right now but one guy that comes to mind is uh Khalil Shakir out of uh Boise State he seems like the kind of guy that could kind of fit in that mold similar to uh Amon Ross St. Brown so um so yeah, I think a guy like DJ Chark, once again, you're probably um, doing that with the intention that you are also drafting with, a, you know, a pretty valuable pick, another receiver. And then the last guy that I have, um, once again, similar in, in, in mold is uh, Alan Lazard from from Green Bay. He's like 6'5", an outside receiver, like absolutely in the X mold, um, but With him, you know, it's immediately the same question is, can this guy be a number one receiver? Or are you, if you sign him, are you kind of just getting a guy who can play the X position but isn't the number one receiver? Um, I think Alan Lazard, and obviously, you know, he's had productive moments against the Lions um, and just elsewhere. Uh, He's just a really big target, and he's good at using his body. Um, And, you know, kind of similar to in a sense to a guy like TJ Hockinson or just any number of tight ends that is kind of like that possession type. Um, you know, he has decent speed, especially for his size and, and that can be super valuable, but, uh, but yeah, maybe you see a guy like Alan Lazard, but I think what's more likely is maybe a guy like Chark or, or even Alan Robinson. Um, so yeah, that's about it that I have for the receivers. Do you guys have anything else on receivers? I don't think so. I, th- I think I
0: just uh, a lot of it depends on what they do in the draft as well, or what their plan is in the draft. Because if they plan on getting that X guy in the draft, maybe that guy from Pittsburgh is the guy, you know, to kind of mm-hmm. just strengthen the core. But if if you're going to go the opposite, snag Allen Robinson and kind to get the opposite, get that Steelers guy in the draft type thing, I I, I think that's it's one or the other, I guess. Right.
1: Yeah. And there are so many ways they can attack uh, that position, and that's why. why free agency will be really telling as far as what their draft strategy might be. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of where the free agent market stands right now. Um, I'm not even going to go over offensive line and running backs. Um, this show is already going to be yeah. long, so yep. so we, we'll just skip over them. I think if they get O-line or running backs, it'll probably be in the draft, um, and it'll probably be late. Um, now, next D-line, I'm also not going to spend a whole lot of time on D-line. Um, but I do have a few names I wanted to mention. Um, Akeem Hicks, he, uh, you know, the the Bears defensive tackle. He's kind of like a nose tackle, which we kind of already have in, uh, um, uh, what's the rookie's name? Ellie McNeil. But um, So if you see a guy sign like this, that might mean that, um, you know, they have kind of... They envision Ali McNeil as more than just a nose tackle and have like a lot more versatility than maybe initially they believed or fans believed. Um, but yeah, Akeem Hicks would be uh, an immediate like you know impact player, um, and I I think the uh, the argument for Akeem Hicks is kind of similar to the argument for like Jordan Davis. Like if you're gonna make that kind of argument, if he's there for the Lions. Where essentially it's kind of uh, telling about what they how they view Aleem McNeil, at least in my opinion. Um, so yeah, Akeem Hicks, he would be a splash, probably pretty expensive, and so I don't you don't necessarily want to see them splashing on the D line, but if they did, like you know, that's the kind of player you would want. Um, one more name that I had written down, uh, Solomon Thomas. Um, he so last year. Um, he wasn't even a starter on uh, Las Vegas, um, but he would be, you know, he's had a lot of starts in his career, especially early in, in, in his career. And, you know, he's had a, a decent amount of uh, production. In 2020, he only played two games, um, but I, he's, he's the kind of guy that you would, kind of just like a roster filler in a sense, where he'll just come in and he'll be a rotational piece. And maybe he'll compete with like Levi for snaps or something. Um, so, so that would be kind of like if they go D line, I could see them doing something like that. Um, and then I just had uh, I had Charles Harris's name written down. Obviously, he's a Lions free agent. And we kind of have touched on that in the past, but um, I, I put him here because um, I think that they shouldn't really be looking into like free agent pass rushers at all. I think that if they're going to address pass rusher and free agency, it has to be Charles Harris, and I think what they're ultimately going to end up doing is trying to retain Charles Harris and uh, and drafting, you know, obviously early. So well, that's why I had Charles Harris written down. Kind of just wanted to touch on that point, um, but that's really all I have for D line. So let's get to uh, a few more of the positions that Lions expect to be bigger players in. Um, so the next, or so next, I have linebackers. Uh, the first name I have written down is Bobby Wagner because, as we know, um, he just got cut by the Seahawks. Um, and there was a report—I don't remember who it was from, unfortunately—but I did see a report that said you know Lions have like kicked the tires, or they're a team that might be in on Bobby Wagner. Um, so a guy like him, um, he's rumored to be maybe around eight million. Now I don't—I don't know this for sure, and it, the price might honestly be higher because he's still a very productive player even at his age um but you know a a guy like bobby wagner brings uh, an incredible vet leadership presence um but the thing is if you get somebody like him and kind of going back to like if if they assign him they're kind of showing their strategy a bit as far as what they might do is i think if you draft bobby wagner you're or if you sign him you're also drafting a guy to be a future middle linebacker Um, but a guy that like maybe could have some years uh sitting behind him or, or kind of playing in more of uh, a different role to start with while Bobby Wagner's on the team. So I, so I say that because I don't think they would sign Bobby Wagner just as like a hole plugger essentially, or necessarily, I think he would be more of uh, like he would bring production, but he could also would be brought on for his, his leadership and his just, you know. His success that he's had, so Bobby Wagner would be interesting. I don't necessarily think they're gonna get him. Uh, did you guys have any thoughts on or any opinions on Bobby Wagner? Not particularly. I wouldn't
0: mind it. It would it would kind of just be part uh, part of this regime's kind of attempt to rebuild the the locker room. I think, and, and kind of a, a guy who can has good play on the field and off the field. So I, and I, I certainly like the move. think,
1: yeah, that that would be valuable. I just think that I just don't think the The move itself would make a whole lot of sense, just like, you know, obviously by itself, but I think there are a lot of factors that could be at play. So, yeah, that's uh, Bobby Wagner. Next I have on here, I hope I don't butcher this name, Foye Oluwakun, who is a linebacker for, um, or he was a linebacker for Atlanta. Um, So he's a younger guy. He'll be 27 when the season starts, um, and he's had a very productive uh, four- Previous seasons thus far, um, including last year. I mean, the dude had 192 tackles total, um, and also like a lot of Lions fans will remember, he's the guy that had the game's healing pick in the um, in the Falcons game. So he's he's a guy that's productive. He's athletic. You know, he's young. It would make a lot of sense in like a three year deal, maybe um, if they want to invest a decent amount. Um, you know. Productive linebacker who can who can cover. Um, obviously, he collects tackles, so he's pretty good against the run. Um, I think he makes a lot of sense, and I think that's one that they'll
2: probably look into. A guy that can get three tackles a quarter is somebody I want.
1: Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and he kind of fits that classic like middle linebacker role as far as just kind of you know patrolling the defense and really just being that traditional linebacker that will just. <laughs> You know, play off of the front set or the the D line, and, and kind of fill those holes. Um, so the next name that I have written down, and this is one that I'm I'm very interested in. It's okay. Also, I hope I don't butcher this one. I think it's Kaiser White. Um, he's a guy from uh, last year. He played with uh, with the Chargers. Um, so he's a former safety that's transitioned to linebacker. So He's only like 216 pounds. Um. So he's really is really on the small end for as far as like a linebacker, which, which makes me think maybe he would uh they would envision him with like more of a hybrid role, like a linebacker slash safety, kind of like let him uh go back back and forth with that. Um. It seems like Aaron Glenn would would just be able to go to town on a, you know, on a guy like that who uh who has that versatility and has um the. The background of a safety who's transitioned a linebacker, somebody with that athleticism. So I really like him as as a guy who can kind of fly around and make plays.
2: I I, I wouldn't mind that. Uh, don't have much for it though.
1: Um. Okay. So he is the last linebacker that I had. Um. So let's move to safety. I think. Just real quick
0: with linebacker, oh. I I would want to just fix that one in the draft, honestly. That's one where, like, I think I would want to just patch that in the draft and and not really – I mean, I, I guess you kind of have to maybe for depth reasons, but don't spend a lot of money on linebacker. Yeah, I mean, you, you know,
1: know, maybe they they consider, a, like, a, a veteran guy like, I don't know, like an Anthony Hitchens. I know he's – I think he's got kind of a reputation for being, like, a dirty player, but – A a player similar to him where you're kind of just like a veteran, like you can be a middle linebacker, kind of like Alex Anzalone, but maybe older, like more experienced and more productive than, than Anzalone. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think they can go a lot of ways with linebacker and it wouldn't surprise me if, even if they got a guy like, uh, Alua Kun, they still might draft another guy and kind of like have... Uh, alua kun whoever they drafted and Derek barnes is like you know the future the the revamped core of the linebacking core um all right so let's did you have something to say paul okay all right so let's move to safety now the first name that i have and the name that probably everybody thinks of when they think of the safety free agent market is marcus williams um so he's the safety from uh from new orleans uh he you know he's been a very very productive safety he's been super impressive as like a deep safety um really good at patrolling the field making plays and kind of being that back-end safety that is like essentially the safety net of your defense like you know the last line of defense um he will probably cost somewhere in like the 14 to 18 million dollar range and it might be on the higher end of that he's going to be expensive but what you get with him is a 25 year old, you know, just like I said, incredible defender, um, perfect fit in the defense. I mean, he played with Aaron Glenn. Uh, he knows the system and it's a, it's a very complex system for safeties and they rely on their safeties to do a lot. So he's a guy that you wouldn't have to like, you don't get him necessarily for like the quote unquote upside like you do, but he's the type of player who can come in and contribute right away and do what you need to do right away with your safeties. Um, and so, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But it, And, you know, the Lions are going to have a lot of money, but he's going to be expensive and he's going to be your splash if, if you get a guy like him.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't mind the uh, Lions splashing on a safety instead of like a wide receiver. Maybe get him in like a shark or something. Uh, just because I don't really want the Lions to draft a safety in the draft. Not that I'm against them getting the safety, but. If they could just patch that up in the off season and focus on edge and linebacker early in the draft and maybe, maybe actually get a quarterback, uh, like a Pickett or a Zappi or something like that, then that would be my preferred route. Ugh,
0: I, I really, I think it's really silly. I think one of the silliest things that NFL teams do nowadays that just they always seem to do is they, they seem to half-ass the quarterback. We've seen in today's NFL that you just can't have as the quarterback. That is something you need a franchise player in. Like, even even the Rams with a fantastic roster, they needed some guy a step better than Goff to actually finish it off. Like, I don't know, to, to win it all, I, I want to win it all with the Lions. I, I think it's kind of a losing thing to say. Like, I've heard ninety. I listen to 97, won the ticket a lot. And no hate towards those guys because I like them, but they always, they set the bar so low for Detroit. Like, I don't want them to just get a guy like Kenny Pickett and win a playoff game in in five years. I want them to go to the postseason. I I want them to adapt a modern NFL mindset and kind of go all in. And I don't think you do that snagging a guy. So I want to get a safety. I want to build it up. I don't want to get just kind of a a has-been or not a has-been but just kind of like a mediocre quarterback. I, I don't think that's a feasible way to win in, in this league anymore.
1: Yeah, and as far as the safety talk goes, um, I really do like Marcus Williams, and I think that... Yeah, I do too. I think if you do go for that, then yeah, absolutely. Like, if, if you truly believe that he might be that transcendent, or maybe not transcendent, but he might be able to push that defense, that secondary finally into, like, <laughs> the good territory, because Lord knows it's been a really long time since the Lions have... <laughs> had a, quote-unquote, like, good, productive, safe, or uh, secondary. Um, so maybe Marcus Williams is that guy. I could absolutely see that. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people know Marcus Williams for the Minneapolis Miracle, which, <laughs> was that t- 2017, 2018? I think that was the 2017-18 playoffs, right? Something like that, where essentially, yeah. anyways, um, he just got burnt by uh, by Stefan Diggs um, for the final play of, and it, I don't remember what series it was in, but but yeah, it, just an infamous uh playoff blunder, and that's always gonna kind of be like attached to him, but I mean, regardless of that, the dude is still a very productive player and he's, he's baller. yeah, and he's still young, so not defined by one play, <clears throat> right. so yeah, so i I, I do like his fit. I love his fit, and I like the idea of signing him all right, now this next one, uh, this is the guy that I mentioned that I said you guys would not like <laughs> um. <laughs> And that's safety jabril peppers oh my <laughs> god oh god <laughs> No! Oh. no no
0: nope. okay let me present my argument nope i don't want him i don't care what you have to say if you told me his penis was gold i would say no i don't i don't want anything anything about him i hate him so much <laughs> <laughs>
1: unfortunately the argument still will be presented
2: I don't want to bill peppers absolutely not uh, I'll, unless I can get it for like league minimum or something that'd be fine yeah if he's willing to
0: come here for a few peanuts and maybe like a paperclip future cash considerations something I, I would. And no actually no I would pay not to have him here I would rather like go into a two million dollar deficit in, in the salary than have him here
2: well Alex is being unreasonable I'd be willing to pay league minimum for him <laughs>
0: I hate him so much.
2: Are you guys done? Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's
1: talk about Jabril Preppers the player. Okay, so he's, you know, regardless of what you think of of your opinions of him, he's he's the kind of guy that can play, uh, kind of what we were talking about with Kazir White at a linebacker, and that's kind of like that hybrid like linebacker slash safety where he can play in the box a little bit. Um, he he won't drop too much in coverage, but I mean, maybe you get him to pair with Tracy Walker if you resign Tracy Walker, and then you draft a guy like maybe in the third round to replace one of either Walker or Peppers whenever their uh, deal is up. But I, I think I do think that Jabril Peppers makes sense as kind of like a transitional guy who can provide value for you in production. Um, now his his production has been uh, pretty decent um, over the past few years uh last year he only played six games and and, you know obviously really wasn't able to gain any production then but um as far as the rest of the years um he's been quite productive as far as you know like tackles per year and i think he's hovers around like the 70 80 mark which you know that's that's quite solid um as far as passes defended and interceptions he's only had one interception in each season before last year So he's not necessarily a ball hawk. I think he's kind of going to be a guy that will be a little bit more important to the run game than the pass game. But he's the kind of guy that I think you might get to pair with a a decent draft pick. Like, uh, you know, one of the top 500 draft... or 100 picks that uh, the Lions are going to have. So in that situation, I think he makes sense. But, you know, you don't sign him to a long-term deal like you would Marcus Williams because he's just not that... uh, caliber player
0: no he has a 58.7 grade on pff Let's see 22 solo attack
1: assists yeah i don't is that him. just from last year yeah last year to his defense it was an injury riddled campaign the year before that he had 64.7 and 64.7 it's not great and that's why i think i but it's you know it's it's fine you know you said one good year you're, you're providing some production and i think that's why you if you sign a guy like that it's with a premium draft pick like i said he's not gonna get a marcus williams contract he might get like two or three years but it would probably not be any more than five six million
2: yeah that's way too much money i'd give him five six hundred thousand maybe but that's about it i don't want him anywhere near my
0: team i i don't want him i he can backflip his way to some other poverty franchise i don't want him here though i can't stand him (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> All right, let's uh let's move to the next
0: guy. I will not take off my blinders for this man. I oh god, I, I, I will keep on the sparty glasses for him.
1: I, I just my biggest thing is I think that Aaron Glenn will just be licking his chops even if not a guy with crazy uh like production like I said and like he's not a super high caliber player, but I think what with what he's capable of, I think he'll he would be valued by the um by the coaching staff. But anyways, He's just kind of one of those options as far as a guy you would pair with a premium draft pick. So let's – I kind of just wanted to quickly mention Tracy Walker. I know we already did, but it seems like Tracy Walker is kind of the first domino that needs to fall Um, because, you know, Tracy Walker, obviously he had a bounce-back year last year, but, I mean, he's only had so many years of, like, really good production because of the scheme that he was in with – with Patricia and Bob Quinn and whatever all that mess, um, so you know if you you're probably gonna have to pay him at least eight million dollars a year. I would imagine maybe he gives some kind of hometown discount, but it might be even closer to like twelve. Who knows? So I I think that I think that signing Tracy Walker would be a good idea, but um, in that scenario, you know, you might uh, sign another guy, but it's probably gonna be like a guy and i I don't want to keep bringing him up but a guy on the level of jabril peppers or or even lower if you get tracy walker because i think at that point um you're probably going to want to keep with the in-house uh strategy and, and just draft a guy um so yeah i think uh tracy walker is ultimately going to be the biggest deciding factor and then i just wanted to mention one more guy uh jordan whitehead um guy from uh from tampa bay Um, they have they've always had a super young or not always but since tom brady entered or joined they kind of had like a super young but very productive uh defensive backfield and you know he was a big part of that um he'll he he fits the timeline just like marcus williams he'll be 25 uh when the season starts um maybe he'll be similar to tracy walker in price range maybe he'll be a little bit more i don't really know how the market is going to shake out um and i really don't have a sense for what other teams are valuing a guy like tracy walker because like i said he doesn't have necessarily the you know a gaudy resume um to kind of uh determine his value um so yeah i think a guy like jordan whitehead or somebody similar where they're young and they've been productive but aren't going to make the kind of money like marcus williams i think that's a realistic option too but i think even a guy like jordan whitehead might mean that tracy walker isn't uh isn't necessarily going to resign um, do you guys have anything else about safety before we put a bow on it? Because after that, I just have very short about corner. Yeah,
0: I, I, I don't think so. I think I'd just, I'd just rather approach it in the draft, honestly. That's one I'd way rather just let... I mean, because we've seen what Aaron Glenn can do with these young guys. I would rather him just kind of uh, be able to mold one completely and kind of just take a guy under his wing and not kind of rely on... And that might be giving him a too much too much credit, but I don't know. I think this, this is the kind of coaching staff that... Unlike the past one, can actually coach up players and get young players and mold them a
1: bit. So I, I just way rather see them go in and get a, some fresh clay, I guess, to to mold. Yeah, I, I would like to see them make one signing, but I don't. And and like I said, I am pro uh, the the big splash signings for the younger guys. But um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I think ultimately, I think what they're going to do because Brad Holmes know he knows he has a talent for uh, covering up or discovering uh like safeties in the draft like he he did that a bunch in uh in la so um so yeah i think he's ultimately going to take the approach of like maybe we just re-sign tracy walker and draft a guy or something like that but but anyways so let's move to cornerback really quickly i don't think we need to spend too much time because the lions actually do have a lot of pieces in place in corner with guys like you know we don't even know what what necessarily to think about jeff okuda right now um he's recovering from his uh from his achilles if i see one room. more
0: instagram post like posted on, on twitter of him just running or doing just basic human <laughs> things i'm gonna throw up blood it makes me want to not like him it's so annoying
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i guess to be fair if i was in his shoes i would be very excited about oh yeah yeah for him back. for
0: sure yeah but but yeah, no, I, I agree with that it's the fans are... that
1: are bothering me the, yeah the fans are, are going a little bit crazy um i think that that's kind of just a wait and see situation like i don't really know how you project him much right now um because you don't know how he's getting they like, said how they don't want to move him to safety right didn't they have they said quote? right now they don't have that in plans but then he kind of left the door open he was like but you know you never know we never really have a okay. concrete uh role for all of our players like right away you know like it's it's subject to change in a sense um but anyways you know you have a guy like jeff okuda who you know could still be maybe your future number one corner he also could be a guy that's just not gonna be i don't know like a part of the future uh depending on how his uh rehabilitation goes obviously um and then they also have guys like uh, Amani money it certainly seems like he's got what it takes to be like a corner two long term i don't think he's ever going to be that number one shutdown guy and as, as good as he was this year I and mean, he got a lot of picks but some of them were pretty opportunistic Um, and I think, I I think he would serve as a, as a plenty fine, uh, long-term back or long-term cornerback too. Um, he's still young and, uh, soon, you know, they'll need to make a decision on his contract as well. But, uh, but yeah, I think, um, obviously they have him, they have guys like Jerry Jacobs who showed a lot of really interesting, you know, fun traits, but. Ultimately, the dude a, was a, an undrafted free agent, so it's it's hard to really project him. Um, I see him more as a depth piece going forward, um, maybe just a high-quality role player if that's how it shakes out. Um, but, you know, we also have to see how he recovers from his ACL injury. And then another the other guy uh, that we need to mention is uh, Afatou Melafonwu, or Ify, whatever you want to call him. Uh, you know, the Lions used a third-round draft pick on him last year, so you're not just going to, like, give up on him, or you're not just going to assume that oh he'll just be a depth piece kind of like you maybe could do with a guy like jerry jacobs um and you know it's hard to say like what you know he might also project as a long-term cornerback too maybe he really develops and can kind of uh, assume the role of a cornerback one but who knows like it's it's really hard to tell with all these guys who got injured last year after showing like glimpses um, so, yeah, so they have a lot of pieces in place. So I think what's most likely as far as a free agent strategy, I think they will just look to maybe sign, like, a veteran corner. Um, and that could be a guy like uh, Bryce Callahan from the Broncos. I mean, he's, he's had uh, a pretty long career. He's been quite productive. Um, a guy like Casey Hayward, if they wanted to um, give him a decent amount of money. Um, I, I don't really know how much he would cost, but you know he's a he's a seasoned veteran. He's been around for a while. And then you get uh, names like JC. Jackson, Carlton Davis, Stefan Gilmore, those are the top end ones. I really don't see the Lions uh, no. pursuing one of those. and and don't get me wrong, that would be cool or that would be kind of like, you know, obviously it would be fun to get uh, one of those top end guys but I think if something like that happens, that's probably the, the coaching staff saying we don't view Jeff Okuda as a number one receiver and we don't view, or we don't know if melifonwu Wu can necessarily be a number one receiver. Maybe we don't view or warrior as a number one receiver or corner, corner. Yeah, corner yeah. Sorry. But, but, but yeah. Um, and I think if, if they're going to make a move like that, I think it would be most likely a guy like Carlton Davis, who's also is young, a young guy out of that, uh, buck secondary. Um, I think he has the tools to develop into a number one uh, cornerback who will, you know, shadow the best receiver on the team. Um, but, yeah, I, I think what's most likely is they'll get a guy like a Callahan or, you know, maybe a Steven Nelson who's been around for a while um, or just a, a name similar to that. And I think that's probably what's most likely as far as corners. Um, but, yeah, that's um, – that's kind of the names that I had uh, highlighted as far as who I think the Lions might uh, look to target, and you know we we'll, we have the uh, they they don't call it the legal tampering period anymore. I don't know what it's called, but essentially the the early negotiation period. It's I, I think it's tomorrow is when it starts. So
0: should so, be exciting. It should tell us a lot about where that because. I think they're going to be a little more patient this year. Uh, I've seen a few fans, like, especially with Aaron Rodgers news, a few fans were saying, like, oh, uh, the, I think the Red or the Red Wings, I think the Lions are positioned to win the NFC West if, or NFC North, if, uh, if if Aaron Rodgers leaves and if all goes well. I just I just don't see that happening, so I don't think we see much in terms of free agency. I think it's a lot of free free agent, like, um, veterans, kind of those guys who will come in and feel, like, off the field roles or very niche uh, it, roles on the field and i think they rely on the draft mostly and they said that
1: multiple times right and i think if you do see them splash i really think it'll be either at safety or at receiver yep i think that's really young the only... guys yeah, to yeah, younger yeah, yeah.
0: guys like the guys who are 24 and 25 mm-hmm. who can who can still grow with the organization like maybe you
1: you see a guy that you have an opportunity like you know maybe you there's a receiver who you think, okay, maybe I won't get the opportunity to sign a guy like this, who I believe will be very good, maybe like a DJ Chark, um, where maybe you don't see necessarily next year having that opportunity to sign a guy like him. Um, So yeah, that's, that's kind of, uh, kind of where we stand on the free agents. Paul, did you have anything you wanted to add at the end? All right. Well then that'll wrap up our free agency preview
0: yeah i think that's all we didn't mention the red wings mostly because they're just shattering my heart right now they're absolutely terrible their defense is garbage right now and the goaltending's bad and the offense just went cold against calgary so everything's going horribly <laughs> anyone who expected off. yeah the, the wheels are off anyone who expected playoffs like in in the back of their head or maybe even like secretly it just kill those hopes now that nine two loss to arizona should have done it uh, the only the thing that makes me happy is, is looking and seeing how the prospects are doing overseas. Guys like Simone Edmondson lighting it up um, in top five for under twenty five scoring. Four out of the, we just looked earlier today. Four out of the five um, tops under twenty one scores in the SHL are Red Wings prospects. So at least there's hope in the future. Uh, everything's terrible right now though. So yeah, I went on pretty long there, but I think we got got a lot of bases covered. the the, the off season was really coming into full swing for the lines, and that's. As a Lions fan, that's probably the best part of the year—just that off season where there's still some hope. We're so used to the off season having, or
1: so much riding on the off season that, uh, <laughs> that there's, there's a lot we're, of we're conditioned off. for this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for listening. Check us out—we're uh, almost everywhere the podcasts are available—and follow us on Twitter at mMegacast.